What is up, everybody? You're watching slash listening to Macalester Hours. Um, today we decided to step outside the branch, the outreach of what Macalester Hours usually is, which is um, mainly having on artists, musicians, etc. We decided to go <clears throat> a little outside that realm. Um, today we had I'm I'm going to probably get yelled at for saying these names wrong because i i was so out of sorts on the podcast that i could not even say the names right gabrielle Cunston and landon dietrich i'm wincing because i wincing wincing why i don't even understand why i'm a podcaster really i mean i <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like it's such a it's such a dick move to like have somebody like if I had like Lil Wayne on the show and I was like, ladies and gentlemen, Lil Wan he's like, Motherfucker like, Oh shit, god damn it. Lil Wayne everybody. Uh I wouldn't be I wouldn't you'll know, make it in that realm. I mean I'm not making it in this realm. I haven't made a dime. On this fucking show. But here we are. Um, anyway, no, this is a great, this is a really fun show. It was fun having um, both Gabrielle Brie on to talk about all her experiences, um, particularly about borderline personality disorder, something that I personally have a long history with. Um, so it's always kind of interesting to talk about that. And I, I, I really appreciate her perspective on it too, because um, there are a lot of people that have that be. Um, you know, the end all for them. They're not able to make it uh, if they have that condition. Um, and she, you know, she talks about how she's managed to, you know, help herself that and manage herself through that. And it's really inspiring. Um, and her friend uh, Landon was also really cool. We played around with his drone afterwards and talked a lot about, you know, cameras and all that tech and, you know, nitty gritty talk, that kind of stuff. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen from Mason City, Bree and Landon. Hello, you're watching slash listening to McAllister Hours. I'm your host, Cole McAllister. Um, we have two guests in the studio today. Bree and Landon. How you guys doing? I'm doing good. good. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, you guys uh, took a drive over here. Where were you guys um, heading from? Where are you guys located? Mason City area. Okay, okay. I know you ran into some construction. Just a little bit on the way out okay. of town. Really, mostly we got a late start. It was just <laughs> laziness on our end. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, we have plenty of rappers on the show, so you're not the you're not the first people to. Uh... <laughs> well, hopefully, an hour late isn't the worst. Oh you had. no. Well, and it helps that we're not live too. So. <laughs> yeah. <you know>. True. <laughs> that would <laughs> have been really a problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess to start out, um, let me give a little bit of you guys' background. Um, what do you guys do and um you know i know you do photography and you have your own podcast you do stuff on tiktok what do you guys do and what's your story you want to go first you can it's all right ladies first oh well for the most part i work at sally's just part-time just doing hair color consultations because i always have different hair colors um but 
I also do the TikTok thing, which is like mm-hmm. no money whatsoever. And then I work for him with like a lot of assistant work doing wedding photography and stuff like that. Mm. Boudoir oh, cool. mostly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I kind of do whatever I feel like it for the most part. Paintings <laughs> and OnlyFans, you know, like the usual. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> hey, the grind. Yeah, the grind. Uh, what about you? What do you do? Oh, yeah. I do photography, I guess main thing but otherwise i'd like to dabble in a whole bunch of different arts really mm-hmm. played a lot of music it's just a good overall expression that's cool uh i'm actually in video production myself i'm actually in a photography class nice. oh, so lucky. yeah learning about all the you know the isos and the aperture yeah. and all that um i had never used a camera manually we have a whatever molly's nike uh, nikon nikon what i use nikon, nikon. <laughs> i was gonna say yeah. <laughs> play with oh, it <laughs> He usually doesn't have the screen on, so you got to look through the viewfinder. Oh, but yeah, I like the original prism in a camera instead of a digital screen in the eyepiece. Mm-hmm. The digital screen has a bit of a lag on that one, anyway. Like I noticed that at the concert. That's cool, man. Thank um, you. If you don't mind me asking, how much is that? Um, this is pretty old. I've had this one for man, probably close to seven years now, or hmm. something. And. For that lens and the camera body, probably close to a grand, I'd say. Wow. Damn. See, I, I, that's my problem. I'm looking at a GoPro, mm-hmm. um, and there's one on sale I can get for about 250 And that's really cool because it's, uh, it's 4K and it has 60 frames per second. Nice. So you can get those nice slow-mo shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's crazy how excuse me, how far technology has come and all that. You know, I'm sure there's you know, so many more changes since that, too. See, I don't even touch his camera really when we work together. I usually use the phone in like the stabilizing unit because he's got 4K quality on his phone too. Oh wow! Yeah, uh-huh. it's a gimbal, just handheld gimbal stabilizer. That's crazy. So, let me, so, um, what do you think about like the technology of cameras? Do you think it's eventually just going to be on the phone? I kind of think so. I, that's what I see it as. It's like a battle between the widescreen mm-hmm. and then the vertical orientation of video like mm. tiktok and i don't i don't want to see that ever change i like the widescreen i'm always a bigger fan of the widescreen i have to film everything mm. twice basically to be able to put it on tiktok and youtube compared to the content if i record it then yeah mm. you're cropping out so much space on that version mm-hmm. cool um brie so one of the things that interested me about you is that you're into witchcraft. Yes. Right. Um, what What's your background in that? How did you get into it? And what does that mean to you? Um, well, for starters, I was raised in a Christian household, Lutheran mm-hmm. specifically, okay. um, which, again, I have nothing wrong with Christianity or anything. It mm-hmm. just didn't really hit right, um, putting all of that into one being and one set of rules. And I felt like it just kind of went against nature. And so over time... I just kind of stepped away. I was like atheist agnostic for a while and didn't practice. And then, um, I don't know if you've seen the story. I, I can see on your notes that you have, I guess. Um, but one day I had already had some like inklings and weird stuff going on as a kid, like seeing things, hearing things, just feeling stuff in the wind as weird as that sounds. It's true. Hmm. Um, but then, yeah, I did DMT one night and everything just changed. And it's, witchcraft but it's not witchcraft i don't know how to describe it it's just that's the only way other people can understand Mm -hmm. what i do um it's just working with the laws of nature to try to like get life itself to be better it's not like i don't cast spells and stuff i mean i make spell jars but that's really just like manifesting you like just meditate on certain stuff and you like the act of putting the jar together helps you like physically build 
Hmm. You know what I mean? Alongside your like mental building of what you want. Um, so yeah, I started doing that after the DMT thing and it just like started working. Opportunities started flowing out of nowhere. Like, yeah. um, I was homeless when that happened, like living out of my van. And then now I've had my own apartment for a year, um, getting on my feet, doing what I love to mm. do. So it's done nothing but paid off in the long run. Wow. So, so you would say you had a very positive DMT experience. Like it kind of, yes. Like reset your life. Yeah. yeah it was very, scary, but yeah. <laughs> it was positive. Yeah. Well, that, you know, that, that's kind of the thing about psychedelic trips. Like I feel like I've had, uh, I've never tried DMT, but I've had acid trips that like really shaped my life. It's actually the reason I quit smoking cigarettes. Mm, really? Uh, yeah. I, uh, I had a, I had a really like probably one of the last times I tripped, I had a really powerful trip where I had like two cigarettes and I was just disgusted. So I, I had been on like a three month, like hiatus of like being off it and then COVID hit and I just went right back to it. Mm-hmm. Hard not to when you're isolated Wild. like that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I ended up, uh, taking a trip and I had like two cigarettes during the trip. Uh, and then like in the morning I had like a half one and I was just disgusted and I couldn't, I couldn't even smoke it and I just haven't had one since. So, I mean, yeah, psychedelics are really, a really powerful tool for like really adjusting your life, you know? Mm-hmm. And that DMT trip, like it, I don't know, it's weird to say that like I blasted off into the universe itself. Like there was just mm. colors everywhere swirling around and, um, there was like this being there that I like hit when I, like I shot off into a streetlight um, out of my body into this being and then I just like felt at peace and I came back down I don't really remember anything they said just like feelings flooded me and then out of nowhere I realized like basically out of that trip I got that I was a piece of crap like I had spent most of my life being an awful person um hurting other people for my own selfish gain and then telling myself that I was the victim in the situation mm. and that trip is like what stopped that mentality and just changed everything Cause like I put myself in that spot. I was homeless because of my own fault, and so yeah, very, very, very grateful. And I don't even really want to repeat the experience because mm-hmm. I don't want to taint it. Yeah, um, and you know, I think that's when you know you've had a good trip. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like if you if you really go through that experience and you're like, you know, like the last thing I want to do is do that again. Mm-hmm. Like you really uh, fulfilled your purpose. Now, what was the being that you saw on the DMT trip? Because this is kind of getting Joe Rogan territory, but you know, there's always they always um, there's tales of like the purple elves, mm-hmm. or, like the you know, or the purple goddess or something. Like what was the what was the being and like I guess go more into detail what that experience was like. Um, the being I know it was a feminine energy, like you okay. could just kind of feel like lady off mm. of it somehow yeah um i just don't remember any facial features or anything like that i just know that there was somebody there it's like when you walk into a room and it's dark or like really, really bright and you can't see quite yet and you know somebody else is there before they say anything it was kind of that situation but then like i just knew that whatever it was it was me but it was also in charge of me in a way so, like, that's how I kind of learned the whole we are one, we are source. And, like, Christianity plays to that, too. They talk about how we are God and mm. stuff. Where witchcraft, we talk about how we are nature. You know, we have the influence over nature and karmic law. And so I kind of learned that from the being being there. Being, being. <laughs> but I don't know. I just, I call it my patron. Um, sometimes I refer to it as like Hecate or Hecate um, because that's like the Celtic mother of witchcraft and it's just easier to give stuff a name. Like when we mm-hmm. talk about um, gods and goddesses in witchcraft, we're actually not talking about a physical like dude in the sky with a beard. Um, we're talking about like just the way energy works. Like um, Almost kind of like a, Bud- like a, like a, a Buddhist idea sort of. Yeah. 
you know, the Buddhists use the metaphors of like the animals for the chain of life and mm. like reincarnation. Yeah. Um, I think people just noticed a pattern so heavily with these, you know, over time through civilizations, you see stories in Egypt match up with stories in Ireland in the same mm. year, but there's no way they could have even communicated with each other back then. Um, so I think it was easier to just give it a name and say that somebody is choosing for it to happen as opposed to just why is everything the same? You know what I mean? Hmm. The synchronicity was too much to be random. That's interesting. Uh, I, I, I'm personally atheist myself. I was actually just talking about this on the podcast that's gone up today. But, you know, one of the things that has, you know, stupefies me is like the this thing, how people have psychedelic experiences and they have similar Mm-hmm. It's like you know, like I was just saying, like how multiple people see the trolls and like see these yeah. like different deities, a collected experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I as an atheist, I don't really know how to process that. I don't really know what you know that that's that's one of the points that I'm stumped on. Honestly, it's interesting. See, and you could argue that I'm technically agnostic with my practices because, mm-hmm. like, I yes, I give the deity. He knows that I talk about Hikate in passing and talk about her being happy versus sad. But I'm talking mm-hmm. about like my life's purpose and faded path. Like, I kind of know what it is. I think everybody knows in their gut what they're supposed to be doing. They mm-hmm. just don't trust themselves enough to do it. You know what I mean? It's all possible. Everything that we want to do, we can do. We just mm-hmm. stop ourselves because of what rules. That's so stupid. But then when you, like, are on the right path, you know the universe just, like, celebrates around you. And so that's when I say Hakate is happy or, like, my patron goddess is happy. Um, whereas, like, weird bad things will happen if I make the wrong choice. And I'm sure other people have noticed that, too. It's like, you know, you get offered two jobs, for example. You can take the first one and, like, the universe will celebrate around you. It's like, okay, cool. It's kind of a crappy job, though. Maybe McDonald's. Mm-hmm. The second one, say, is really high paying and, like, you think it's the right choice because it's a better long-term stable option. And then all of a sudden everything goes wrong. It's like your car breaks down, your house, like, you get evicted for no reason. That's, like, the universe or Picate or patron being angry. Mm-hmm. So that's just, like, it's a generalized sense. It's just giving a name to things we can't see. Um, so, yeah, I, like I said, it's not paganism per se yeah Hmm. interesting uh so i guess like in the i don't know like are you like do you interact with like the witch community because like uh we had a i have an old friend actually who's a um self-proclaimed witch as well and she talked a lot about like you know going on forums in the community i i mean do you like distinguish yourself as like a part of that community is more of an individualistic thing like i don't know I don't t- partake in, like, online communities or Facebook groups or anything like that. Okay. Sometimes, like, a meme group or crystal identification mm-hmm. or stuff. Yeah. But I believe that if you're fated to work with somebody or alongside somebody, you're going to meet them in person. And, like, you'll know. Like, my partner right now is very magically based and stuff. And, like, that's how I know he's a good partner to have. It's because it's, like, an interest that aligns. Um, but, yeah, so I prefer to interact in person with anybody. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's why we do the podcast here, mm-hmm. you know, it's much better yeah. to have an in-person conversation, mm-hmm. I feel like almost every time. I just feel like the magic isn't as personal when you're going to hundreds of thousands of people with the same mm. question, you're going to get hundreds of thousands of answers, and I bet like 99,999,000 of them are wrong. Yeah, yeah. How are you know you're going to find that right now? I comment? just said, um, because everybody else was saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the, you know, the classic problem with the internet, anybody can... Anybody with the internet. But I do believe that, like, karma uses the internet on us. Like, Mm. the TikTok algorithm, we talk about this a lot, is how creepy accurate it is. (laughs) And, like, sometimes you get this, this is a sign thing, and it's just way too true. 
And so I think that, I don't know, technology plays a part mm-hmm. in it. Well, you know, the really weird, I was listening to someone talk about this. Like, TikTok is so precise that, like, it even times out, like, how long you're on a video. Or how and, like, quickly you click. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, the timing scary. and how you touch your screen. Like, yeah. uh, no, their AI would know us more than we know ourselves to exactly. a really microsecond. Some of the ads that get me. It's <laughs> like, how do you know? What, what Do you guys think that that is more, like, do you think it has more to do with them like you said, knowing more about ourselves than we do, or do you think that they're actually like mic'd up and listening in and all that shit? Well, I mean, they'd be pretty bored if they were. <laughs> I don't think I don't think they're mic'd up. No, they collect the information probably or yeah. save it just mm-hmm. keywords reasons, and phrases. But otherwise, yeah, I think it's yeah, computer. I'm sure there's like something listening that if you say the wrong keyword or phrase way too many times or something like yeah. that, it'll tip it off maybe then but otherwise i think it's ridiculous to be paranoid about somebody like a google home speaker does not care if you're buying a dime bag from your drug dealer like calm down guys (laughs) (laughs) that's funny there's uh have you guys heard edward snowden oh of course yeah uh he (laughs) he always uh he says every time he gets a new phone he breaks it open and takes out the microphone (laughs) yeah i was gonna say because otherwise they can i mean even if your phone's off they can turn them on and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah just access that without the light or led i've had to find family members like through phone tracking and stuff through the police and they can definitely turn on your phone and find you yeah tossing the sim card doesn't help much either you know sometimes i wish we were just back to pagers you know oh me too honestly i (laughs) kind of miss growing up like that I had a, I had a friend who used to deal back in the day, and they have codes on the pagers, you know. Number <laughs> <laughs> like, to call four twenty. Yeah, yeah. Well, like to the point, like it, like the code would be like how much, like where to meet, like it was just all in that little whatever, how many digits. It's That's crazy. Awesome. Yeah, now people just use emojis, you know. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. I like my emojis. Hey, everybody is. You know? Gifts. Gifts are so fun. Dude, gifts are amazing. <laughs> you can have whole conversations with. Yeah, I I mean, if a video speaks a thousand words, a GIF had to speak like what at least ten times as much as that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) probably. What about you? Have you had any psychedelic experiences that you wish to um, tell us about? I always like asking people about this. Uh, I don't even know. I don't think so. You don't think so? Life's a trip in itself, (laughs) I guess. Oh, so you want those guys? (laughs) (laughs) Should have brought him a sticker. Yeah, I do have some. Yeah, I got some uh, some stickers that I had made. I'll have to give you some. But yeah, life is a trip. I was uh, just throughout my life. I was in hospitals, and Mm. then like two years ago, is like I almost died twice in the same year. Oh, once you should tell him that story because it's absolutely insane. Yeah, Yeah, I'm curious if you're comfortable. Yeah, that's cool. Pressure. <laughs> Let me get pressure, into my, pressure, pressure, pressure. my like feeling so where I'm reminiscing. No. Um but it would have been the end of twenty eighteen in like December, I think it was. The, my time frames are way off right now too, so because just being in the hospital, then I was in a coma. Anyways, Jeez. beginning of the story. <laughs> um, the story I, starts with a coma. I started feeling pretty sick and I was just like, oh um, it's all good. I'll, I'll feel fine the next day. The next Sorry, how long ago was this? Uh, twenty nineteen. Okay, two years beginning ago. of twenty nineteen. Okay, but yeah, my leg was swelling up and I was feeling yeah terrible. I ended up started vomiting blood, shitting blood, and uh, so I, I got rushed to the ER and 
they thought I had a spider bite in my leg, but two dots that led to an infection. So I think it was a brown recluse bite for how quickly the infection could have set in. And, but it went to uh, necrotizing fasciitis is what it's called. It's like flesh-eating bacteria. And for how late I was getting into the hospital, um, my body went into septic shock. Oh no! So like my whole, all my organs were shutting down on me, and yeah. Wow, that's that's really hard to. That's like a death sentence for a lot of people. But yeah, I just pretty much felt like crap, and then all of a sudden I woke up and I I was in a coma for a few days. They were gonna thought about amputating my leg, but they just doctors or surgeons did an amazing job just cutting out the infection. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a long recovery, and yeah, how long was that? Um, I had to have like a, my wound was still open. I had to put like a wound back on it. They call it. They'd pretty much suck out the pus. Or <laughs> it's, I'll show you some pictures of it. It's pretty, pretty uh, lovely. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, but after that, um, I was going to go back out to New York City and stay out there for a little bit. Uh, my brother's out there just do pictures video just oh cool yeah good stock footage and yeah the last warp tour was going on i was gonna go to that and <laughs> but uh, that night i got out there i was just felt like crap and felt like pretty bad i felt pretty crappy as my previous situation so i uh, went to the hospital out in like downtown new york city bellevue hospital and uh yeah i ended up getting pancreatitis or had pancreatitis so my pancreas uh ended up enlarging and hemorrhaged my spleen so they had to remove my spleen and so i was yeah out in new york in the hospital for like a month and a week maybe holy shit yeah. Well, good thing that happened right before COVID, huh? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. I was like, fucked. I get healthy and stuff. <laughs> yeah, life is a trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I can imagine that experience maybe. Uh, yeah, like you said, life's a trip. Like, why, why the fuck would you need acid after that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> another one in between. Uh, I found out that I had a daughter that was seven years old. Right after my uh, hospitalization from the leg or spider bite that they think. And, yeah, so <laughs> life is a trip. Rough year. <laughs> hey, to top that all off, you have a living being as your spawn that's seven years old. Yeah, she's awesome, though. Yeah, I'm super, yeah. Glad I survived. She's, like, the reason, like, I survived the New York hospitalization. Wow. How, not to get too personal, but like, I, how'd you handle that? Like how, like how would, I don't know. Like if I woke up and it was like, Hey, you have a kid, I'd like freak out. I, I would be like mm-hmm. DNA test now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh yeah. One, one finally got one, but yeah, it was, uh, life's awesome. Yeah. Life is a trip. Universally huh? said in one year, let's, uh, let's, almost kill you give you a brand new kid and then like almost kill you again just make sure like you're good (laughs) but yeah without a spleen i have a i'm a like a high risk for covid Mm. oh yeah but i'm not gonna let that shit kill me (laughs) (laughs) yeah well 
you know, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you are still kicking in that you came back from that experience because that's fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Missed Warp Tour. I missed the last Warp Tour. <laughs> <laughs> but you got a kid. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's way better than Warp Tour, right? Right. Way more fun. Right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Um, you're a parent, right? I yes. guess that's a good segue. What uh, uh how, what was your journey with that and how has that been? How do you like being a parent? Um, first of all, I never wanted to have kids growing up. So it was very interesting to find out that I was pregnant. Um, I was even told that I really couldn't uh, just because of medical mm. conditions. So I got a little ballsy. <laughs> and shocker, it happened. Um, <laughs> and I was with the guy, like my son's dad. My son's five now. He just started kindergarten about two mm. weeks ago. Okay. Um, little Oliver, he's the best. <laughs> uh, but yeah, his uh, dad and I had been together since we were 15 something like that oh wow so um i was 19 when i found out i was pregnant and i just went through it like any other person would i got really excited because like i didn't realize it but low-key i did want that picket fence life i wanted Mm. the house and the kids and the husband and stuff and like getting pregnant with oliver actually taught me that and then when he was born i had like an identity crisis because i was only 21 years old well 20 21 um and i had not seen life like i was institutionalized for most of my childhood and then after i got out um i went basically into living with him so i never lived on my own i didn't know how to take care of myself let alone a child so i snapped and we wound up separating for a while uh i went off and became a stripper of all things just to like yeah girl power find my identity (laughs) i tend to take things a little too far no matter what i do i did her wedding pictures yeah that's how we met actually (laughs) (laughs) so uh, when i came back from that separation found out i was pregnant with my daughter oh Um, damn so she does have a different dad but we didn't know that until after she was born so he's like because of the time frames it was so close of a call i was with Mm. somebody and then like a week and a half max later i was with her like dad that's raising Mm. her um but yeah, everybody knows. They're all cool with it. I didn't force the other dad to get involved. But we got married in the middle of the pregnancy. And that's when I met Landon. Um, lasted about a year being married. You've been married to somebody with BPD. Yeah. So you can imagine <laughs> a pregnant BPD nightmare. Oh, Jesus. And I, then postpartum BPD nightmare. Yeah. Well, that was, not to sidetrack, but that was all. That was always the thing that terrified me mm-hmm. about being married to somebody with BPD. Because like, you know, she would have her moments and I'd be like, oh, this is going to be... 10 million times worse when she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Gosh. But anyway, could sorry. Be 10 times no. better, though, too. <laughs> no. Hormones are that yeah. Happens. No, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just going to stop you there and be say positive. no. <laughs> I'm actually going to like validate that with my son. I weirdly got so stable. Like, yes, I had my weird hysterical laugh cry stuff, but I didn't freak out near so much. It's so weird. But with my daughter, I dropped butter on the counter, like literally three inches onto the counter and bust into tears for 20 minutes. So... <laughs> I'd do that on a Tuesday afternoon, though. Let's be real. It doesn't have to be pregnant. (laughs) Yeah, we wound up separating. Uh, The divorce got ugly. I made a lot of big Mm. mistakes. Uh, But now we're at a pretty decent custody agreement. I'm Mm. trying to work out a little more time with them. But I'm pretty happy. Got two beautiful children. A co-parent that is a great dad. Mm. He really is. That's good. That's important. Mm -hmm. So... I do everything I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as anyone can, you know. Uh, shit, what was my question? 
fucking ADD, man. Oh wait, uh, you you were saying you were uh, institutionalized for your childhood. What what all ones? I'm curious. Like that. That's well, I don't know like, how many of my TikToks you've seen because I know that like that's kind of how you've gotten see, to know me I, before this. I don't really watch TikTok. I'm not. Yeah, really I don't fan. blame you. I really, I'm only on it because I know it fits my personality and it's a profitable margin. That's the only reason. <laughs> you know the other person we had in here that's a big tiktoker he's like you gotta sell your soul man <laughs> pretty <laughs> you much sell, sell, sell yourself for the talk yeah. pretty much like my first video with two million views was about a tinder date that peed on me so <laughs> i'm so sorry you were drinking <laughs> it's bathing out. literally it's i woke good. up in the middle of the night and the dude was pissing the bed and i was in the bed and i ran i just ran like in his sleep or he was full out like like, okay so just a nutshell of the story <laughs> he had i don't know why i'm laughing because it's kind of scary he had been taking so much ecstasy and i like okay i'm neurodivergent i'm off the wall i'm adhd i'm crazy like so when i meet other people that are high energy and creative too i usually assume that they're just like me mm. no it, it was ecstasy <laughs> so he probably my guess is gave himself a uti or like didn't go to the bathroom enough times um oh. and he had stayed out too long so like i knew he was like physically fine i tried to wake him up and tell him what happened he was like snoring like breathing heartbeat and everything but i was freaked out i was covered in piss so i just <laughs> grabbed clothes and ran and i just i don't know he didn't even apologize like <laughs> he was really rude about it actually <laughs> it was like situation I mean, I can imagine he was embarrassed too, but he didn't act like it. That's probably how he gets off. He's like, "This is I how I know cockroach a woman. I piss in her bed." Either that, or like <laughs> trying to keep it a one night stand, and he peed on me to get me out. Like that—that's a possibility. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever the case, uh, we're not obviously seeing each other anymore. <laughs> but yeah, institutionalized. Um, yeah, yeah. As a kid growing up, I was adopted out um, my parents were 13 when they had me mm. so that was the podcast on my channel um and talking to my dad about that situation but when i was adopted out i was put into the foster home with like these two other boys and stuff that were coming in they both had like fetal alcohol syndrome and adhd and autism and stuff like that mm. um and my mom was there when she was pregnant she had me the foster parents kept me and just adopted me right there uh but when i was 15 or 16 they started realizing that having so many kids in the same household with behavioral disabilities and no actual help was a very bad recipe. So I started acting out, like, typical youngest child situation. Like, I was the rebel. I ran away all the time. I did a bunch of drugs. Well, not a bunch of drugs. To be real, I got high a few times, and then my mom caught me every single time. So she thought I was doing it every day. Um, but yeah, no, I just very, very unlucky. <laughs> But yeah, the court actually chinaed me. They took me away from my parents because um, I was getting in so much legal trouble that my parents weren't considered Shit. responsible enough to take care of me. So oh, damn. I was that naughty, and I got put into Forest Ridge in uh, Iowa here. It's in Emmett's Esterville, right? And it's a girl's home. So it's like all these girls living in one house. There's like several cottages. They all go to the same all-girls school. I spent most of my teenage years there damn yeah that was an oops just had to get drunk on prom night that bad i guess <laughs> damn yeah but see that i i detest the system so much especially in this circumstance it was a little like harsh that. well it was a little i mean yeah i mean i don't think that 
a teenager partying a few times equates to Mm-mm. being, you know, what you, you know, institutionalized in that sense. Like, yeah. No, my parents were the type, and like, props to them. They were just trying to be good people. They were trying to do their best, and they were in way over their heads. But they would like booby trap stuff if I tried to sneak out. They would call mm. the cops if they caught me sneaking out, and so I'd be chased all over the little town of Forest City. Like, just running barefoot in my pajamas because I went outside to sneak a cigarette that I'd stolen from my dad. Like, <laughs> it's a bit excessive. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. then to be locked up for two and a half years over it is definitely... But mm. I learned a lot. Like, now I'd be his certified in conflict resolution because I spent two years training in it. Like, hmm. so... Didn't use that in my young adult years, though. Should have. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's good that you've come away from that experience. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, the person you are. But yeah, uh, it it's a really shitty situation. That whole everything, the fostering and all that. Um, my father was actually when he grew up, um, his parents were like foster parents. They had mm-hmm. like like a summer camp of like kids that you know were troublemakers and that. And they would like they would uh, they would like dig holes. It, it was like the movie Holes. Like they would just dig holes and then they would just fill them back up like for no reason. <laughs> character building or what? Oh yeah, my my grandfather was a big uh, character builder type guy. See, where... I had one foster home that was like that and they were horrible. Like they really were. They were definitely in it for the check. We were little maids and stuff uh, like that. See, and that's another They were racist pro- and homophobic. Yeah. Like it was awful. Well, that's another problem with the that that system too is that they give financial incentive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like wealth, the welfare state with like people having, you know, being single moms, and having kids like there isn't a financial incentive to, you know, to do that. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. See, I think that it should be a like gift card type system where they can track what you buy it. Just like child support. Mm. I fully believe that child support should be like a WIC card where you can only buy items like clothes, um, food, things like that. Because I know several people that call it like weed support money. Because they make enough to take care of themselves, so they just spend the child support on their weed. So yeah. that well, just like as a parent who pays tries to pay child support, like I'm not gonna lie, I'm behind, but like it just irritates me to the thought that like people do that. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know that's always kind of been my thought too is like, um, you know, because I've never been in that system, but I always wonder like, and I don't know, but I wonder like how much of it is you know not that people don't need it, but how much of it is that they don't need because they don't need it or because they have bad spending habits yeah. and that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. properly. Honestly, I feel like if it's too much for the kid and like set, say you're set at the minimum amount, which is like $257 a month per kid in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Um, but if you're set on that amount and say the kid only needs like $100 of school supplies and clothes that month, why not take that $157 and put it in an account for them later in life? It's mm. child support money. It's not money for you to pay rent. You would have to pay rent for that kid being there or not. You know what I mean? Why is your ex-partner responsible for that? Um, you know, you guys chose to separate. It's on you guys to pay your own stuff. Put it in cryptocurrency. I was just thinking <laughs> that. I was just <laughs> thinking that. I was like, <laughs> fucking <get> Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually I, not a bad idea. I was doing yeah. savings bonds. Well, dude, Bitcoin's been fucking killing it lately. Yeah, what's going on? Uh, I really got to get it hopped on quick. Yeah, I'm I, I'm really thinking about just putting like a fucking big lump sum in it. Yeah. Molly hates it when I say that, but <sighs> I put I put a little money in there and then woo, surprise I'm like, Well, money can is, do it. You can always make money back. The really fucked up thing about Bitcoin is the worst America does, the better it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the more inflation we get, the more economy goes to shit. Bitcoiners are like, woo! Yeah. Fuck yeah, give me the money. 
<laughs> See, the more it goes to shit, I just think about running off into sustainable communities and saying, screw it all. I mean, going to do it anyway, but still. <laughs> Go into a forest. That's the plan. Figure it out. There was that one guy. We were talking about one time. The show I used to watch on PBS where this guy would, like, go in the woods and he would, like, do everything himself. He would haunt, like, it, like he would literally just use the wilderness to sustain himself. Girls, and he did it. Kinda. Yeah, but, like, like... I can it, think of the show. I just don't remember the name. It was, like... Man but, like, he, like, built his own... He built his own cabin. Are you talking about the guy in Alaska? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Whatever that is. Yeah. Into the wilderness. Into the... Yeah, it's a it's an older show, but mm-hmm. yeah, like it's great, and you know, kind of that time then too, how people were able to really just use their environment. Mm-hmm. You know, all these dumbasses with their phones, they wouldn't be able to do that for like they wouldn't survive twenty four hours in the phone. Yeah, <laughs> they'd be like, "How to do this? Wait, wait, I see. Service. I'm one of those. Fuck! I have to admit, like my need to take pictures is so strong. I don't know if I could go without at least yeah. a phone camera for a few days. Like, what if I see you could a make frog? A pinhole camera or something. Like, <laughs> get a little. Pe- Give a Polaroid. What if I see a flower? Yeah. Those are expensive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, yeah for how true, many pictures I take in developing them. But then you still get to see it instantly, so you get that gratification. Like $3, $3, I think, per picture <laughs> for a Polaroid. Yeah, no. But they do last a long time. They are very nostalgic. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, it, you know, and it, uh, I mean, you're more of a photographer, so maybe you have some insight on this, but there's always the, the, the debate between, like, digital and film. Like, what's better? Um... What's your opinion? Man, that's a really good that's question. That's a good question for you. I think, man, I see I have a lot of stuff on film, but I just haven't developed them yet. <laughs> Damn. So some, sometime it'll be a good reunion. But, I mean, quality-wise, like, old film cameras still is as good as the nice digital SLRs today. Um, or even film, video, how they can still have them in 4K and not mm. be remastered is just mm-hmm. that big a film is a good resolution i prefer digital just because mm. of the i have nothing against film there's a place for it there always will be a place for it but we are lucky enough to not only be a species that can take pictures in the first place yeah. but have such complex digital editing equipment that we can literally we were talking about this on the way over here you can have anybody play the president in a movie with the right cgi <laughs> yeah even with the like yeah. face filters. I mean, oh, the deep fake shit that scares yeah. the fuck. The out government of me. they have the processing power and like computer technology. I mean, anybody could be playing the president just with a filter <laughs> over their face. Yeah, no, I just mm, I, I don't like that aspect of it, but I love the fact that we have that ability. We are gifted in that sense, and I feel like it should be utilized if you have the talent for it. Like, if you love it, if you're good at it, why not do it? Just like if you love developing film, why not do that? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I, I think that there is a certain authenticity, authenticity, <laughs> in uh, in film yeah. that uh, that as of ne- you know as of right now can't quite be matched by digital. But you know, as we get more pixels, the K's get higher. We're eventually gonna get to that point where we surpass it. Now, film looks you know? better than real life. Let's be real. You have glasses, so you get it. <laughs> it's like when I'm watching a 4K television, I get like confused. And my brain kind of hurts. <laughs> It's like, do I even see in 4K? <laughs> well, this is really technical, but uh, did you guys watch uh, The Hobbit? I've oh, seen yeah. it. It's just it's been, been a, a long Good time. One. So I never, I never watched the whole movie, but the pits or the the bits that I have seen, um, one of the criticisms was like the frame rate was so high 
that like almost looked like it didn't look realistic like mm-hmm. it was yeah. like all and there were a lot of people that didn't like that you know a lot mm-hmm. of the old school film guys were like this just looks like a fucking video game or something you know mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it you really does shoot in that format if you're gonna slow it down yeah. so it's really yeah. smooth slow motion instead of there's some shots he has of me with like the drone that are just or like the Dyna Zoom that looks yeah. weird like a video game. Like it's the like Alfred Hitchcock kind of effect where you move the camera and then zoom at the same time of opposite uh, ways, so the background kind of moves. Like it, the background moves forward and you move backwards or vice versa. Oh yeah. So they use it in music videos a lot. That's a that's a big horror technique too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. The music videos are my favorite thing to. I, I want to make them. I want to make lots of them. <laughs> Little shorts and stuff. I like. It. Yeah, I've I've been trying to get into video. Hell yeah! But it's yeah, not too many people to collaborate with or. Well, hey, hit me up. I know I'm in Des Moines here, but uh, I'm actually getting a. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this. I'm getting a uh, GoPro. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that that should uh, up my game. Yeah, I got yeah. an older one, but I don't even know what they're on now. I think mine's like a four black or it does 4K, which is all right. But I mean, there's no instant screen for settings you gotta either like hook it up to your phone or Mm. yeah see i'm hoping to get to the point where like because i've been apprenticing with him and stuff i've Mm. been learning a lot um i don't touch that camera much like i said but i need to start learning touch it everybody's like really scared of (laughs) it's because it's so it is it's kind of a scary thing like there's something to be said when you're holding a piece of technology that you know is worth more than you you're like god damn it (laughs) know that this I, this is my thing like, the lens is where the where it gets expensive yeah yeah, yeah that's true yeah but well and those things like you know you drop them you're fucked i've this one's been dropped quite a bit this Plenty one's weatherproof too so it's like i mean i've done like mudding events where it's just completely covered in mud and damn see but yeah, i want to learn one. from him to do music videos live events um like we're doing a wedding next weekend i'm really excited that's going to be my first like event event mm. um but we did a concert for sorry for last night they're a cover band out of mason city they're actually really good yeah um we did their live events what was it june something like that came out with some really good shorts and stuff i, I had so much fun probably one of the most fun i've ever had in my life like yeah it was bad i just flew the drone around and then got some pictures and video so yeah drone and digital <laughs> you know damn that's something i've always wanted to get into too is the drone that it's a game changer it looks like yeah. the weather conditions are good for today so we can let you fly it totally yeah that's the thing that freaks me out though like uh you know you're you're putting your however much camera out in the air. What if the wind picks up? You're fucking, you know, it goes in the I, river. Yeah, I always say. That's how a lot of people lose theirs or think they get hacked. It's like oh, the, the wind speed just changes from like 33 feet to 100 feet. It could change like 15 miles an hour or so. Well, uh, I don't know if this is related, but I know during uh, during the protest last year, there were people that um i think it was probably the police they were having drones and like people were like pointing lasers at them like, they were dropping <laughs> it's just like laser up. <laughs> noted <laughs> so if you we see have a drone a video, just... <laughs> um that we're making a little short film just as an example of what we can do mm. where he hires an assistant me and the drone comes to life and is trying to take me out because he's jealous that i'm working with landon we named the drone whippy we really like whippy Except for when I don't. They're intimidating. Drones are like... The noise like triggers this instinct where anybody who sees it just immediately starts swatting <laughs> and wants to knock it down, including me. And like, I know it's there. <laughs> like, there's so many videos of me just 
flipping it off. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. Yeah, it's scary though. Um, it's scary that that technology's there. Yeah. Oh, definitely. See, I want to fly it around the crackhead part of Mason City up my north side. <laughs> I, so badly because I can just imagine we got this one guy that flails. <laughs> so like, what would he do? Just follow him and fuck with him. Just like, yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> just like put it down low enough so he sees it and then shoot it up and then come back down. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my face! <laughs> just keep him staring at the sky for like five minutes. We should get my neighbors with that one. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That, that, all that shit. That, the face swap, or the, you know, freaks me out. <laughs> there's a tiktok filter that makes you look like you're smiling just continuously and it's so funny <laughs> like i saw this video of this think, yeah, uh, dude that, that, yeah. going to the mall with his wife and um she's like honey are you happy to be here and you could tell like he's supposed to be grimacing at her and so mad but the, the filter is so realistic it makes it yes yeah yeah no i hate it here i hate it <laughs> i'm sorry that was straight oh, out <laughs> do you guys have any I don't know. This is kind of a deep philosophical question, but you know, you and I are both, uh, you know, or I guess all of us are kind of in that media um, aspect. Do you worry about the possible consequences with that advancement in technology? Mm-hmm. 100%. Like, for instance, like like let's say like you know, video evidence gets tampered with, and it's it's done so indistinguishably that nobody could tell. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the good thing about like metadata. Oh, true. Good stuff, point. But it's still an issue because. I don't know if I should talk about my court, but yeah, I got a, like accused of photoshopping my daughter in images with me because I know how to, I can edit photos. Right? Good That's size. the same face <laughs> I made. I know. Life's a trip, man. No, I mean, I've had some stuff uh, in my old YouTube channel, which like I take full responsibility for the dumb crap that I said, but um, I had it clipped like right and somebody else clipped it together for court to like where it oh. made me sound like i was on cocaine and doing a bunch of crazy stuff when it was like that was a, a trailer for a documentary about like my upbringing and drug recovery like chill guys i'm talking about being sober so i i do worry a lot about you know even if their picture isn't tampered with they can just decipher so much meeting because people are so used to looking at all this media and pictures every single day that they're overanalyzing every aspect. Mm-hmm. So it can be just a pure picture of us sitting here at this podcast and somebody would be able to pick it apart. And because of Landon's, you know, his simple body language could tell him <laughs> that Landon's mad at me or something like that. And then they can spin out an entire comment section of millions just because of that yeah. one perspective that's, what, what the fuck? Where did that come from? We were emotionally intimidating, Bree. We got two men here. Yeah. She's in the middle. <laughs> we're both. I'm not intimidated. Y'all should be intimidated. <laughs> we all know we've got the power here. <laughs> well, good you admit it. <laughs> Just, I don't even know what to do with myself now because, like, I'm embarrassed, but I'm not. Because, like, I bet people have tampered with evidence though and got yeah. away with it. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and kind of like what you were saying before, like not even really like tampering the video or like how it's presented like just editing in general mm-hmm. you know if you're talking about people just you know scrolling through and seeing so much media a day you know if something's edited in a way that's 
you know, not proper, not what really happened, they're not going to think twice about that. Mm-hmm. Correct. They're just going to be like, that's just how it is. See, I get so careful. Like, you know, I tell kind of controversial stories on my TikTok and things uh, like that. Hey, talking to me. Like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, but I always worry because, you know, I have kids and stuff mm-hmm. and yeah, there is yeah. like an active, there's no court case in my situation, but like, I hope to go back after a point in time and get more time with them Mm. um so i have to watch everything and make sure that i'm very clear about timelines very clear about like what i used when like take full responsibility so that Mm. way if anything comes up i'm covered like i know what i actually said so they can't clip it and make me sound bad because all i can do is just put the original clip where it's the truth you know and then tracking the actual data encryption of what is the original Mm. footage yeah really because i mean People, if you cut or make a copy of a file or anything, the date of that file will be the day you copied it because it's not the original file still. It's still mm-hmm. copied. So, I mean, so you if you edit it and resave like, it and stuff, it'll always have that new timestamp on it no mm-hmm. matter what. But you, could, you should still be able to go into like the origin date. Well, yeah, like, like terminal. <laughs> if you go to like the terminal and hack it, maybe. Yeah. But it's like, it's nice that it does record that to the. Yeah. Well, that's the scary thing, though, is that, I mean, there will be a point where that will be, you know, tampered with or not even really, you know, won't even matter. Mm-hmm. It could just be, I don't know. It, it's scary to see where, where that's all going. Um, so, Bree, uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit before the other day, but um, uh, you've, talked, you've posted on your TikTok that you have borderline personality disorder. Yes. And I personally, I uh, my ex-wife had borderline personality disorder. I was with her for five years, so I'm very familiar with that disorder so i guess i'm just curious um like what like how did that diagnosis come about and like how would you for someone who doesn't understand what bpd is how would you describe it well for bpd i always describe it as a black and white type of disorder so Mm. whereas most people can find a gray area someone with bpd usually sees things as either perfect or terrible like Mm. gray areas just don't work very well with them either somebody loves them or hates them they want them or they want nothing to do with them and they're a terrible person. So that's where the fear of rejection comes in. Um, we didn't realize at first that it was even a possibility because, um, you know, growing up in the 90s, they've been doing a lot of research on mental health lately. And in the 90s at that point in time, borderline was just like basically considered being melodramatic is mm. all it was. They didn't understand how serious of an issue it was until all of the 90 kids uh, wound up getting it and then now in the millennial generation we're all sick like mm. it's like a plague pretty much we all have it um but yeah i didn't quite fit into that original category because it was supposed to be like a latchkey kid type of situation where your parents left you alone too much which yeah i was alone a lot but i had everything i needed there was no direct abuse in my household that we knew of and things like that Um, But then as I got older, um, you know, mental health manifests the most when you're in your early 20s. Mm, Yeah. And then throw in a couple of pregnancies and a bunch of drug use on top of that. (laughs) And you have a chemical disaster with a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, So the diagnosis finally stuck when I was like 20. Before that, like they tossed it around in the institutions and stuff. But then when I got out, they just labeled it as bipolar one, which I also am. So that's just. Well, it's in the same family. 
Kind of, like, yeah. Mental disorder. It's well, like a it? bipolar is chemical. No, I'm wrong. Okay. We have a, Molly's a, tra- a therapist in training, so she knows all about that. Yeah. <laughs> so like uh, bipolar one is more of a chemical imbalance that you're okay, born okay. with, where BPD is a personality disorder that you grew up in an environment that honed it in. So when you have the two combined, it's kind of hard to deal with because like mm, yeah. medications get wonky. You can't take like SSRIs if you're bipolar because it'll send you into a never ending manic episode, mm. which makes BPD so much worse which is what happened to me so um when i was 19 they gave me the ssris and i spun off like just on drugs stripping traveling around the country like basically did not care about anything um the postpartum got so bad i couldn't like sorry ADHD. you can if you want man you're good uh, but yeah so I found out that here I'll move this for you. <laughs> As the assistant, I'm always like scenery adjustment. But um, shoot, yeah, they gave me the medications, and then I got hit with like postpartum really bad, and I spun out. That's what happened. My brain just ran away. <laughs> Maybe yeah, two seconds. Distraction. No, it's it wasn't really you. I was gonna spin off. Well, let me ask you this: like, what? Because wh- I feel like, at least from what I understand, BPD comes from trauma. Yes. You know, so like, not to get into any trauma, like, but you know, there's also kind of like a psychotic break. Like, what? Like, do you think that that had more due to childhood or the drug use? Like, what? What do you think contributed? The biggest to that? factor was the childhood, um, mm, the drug yeah. use, and trauma actually is kind of what kicked it into i got into a couple of car accident well not a mm-hmm. couple i got into a car accident and then a very very close call with death um mm-hmm. overdose wise <clears throat> and stuff like that oh shit so uh that really woke me up to it but the upbringing it turns out that there was trauma it's just it was to the point where i repressed it like literally blackout repression which doesn't happen very often unless you it, she knows um very very serious so once we were able to find out that I had that trauma, though, it gave me the freedom to go attend EMDR therapy treatments mm. and stuff like that, which brings up the trauma. Like, yes, you have to relive it, basically. It, hypnotism. Like, you literally get hypnotized and set up like this, and you relive the experience, see it as it happens, but then your brain gets recoached. So, like, for one of them, they had me go through the trauma, but then they had me focus on, like, specifically staring at, like, a stuffed animal in the corner that I liked. So that way, like, every Mm. time the memory got brought up, my brain would just stuffed animal. It doesn't think trauma. It thinks stuffed animal. So that way I was able to, like, lessen those horrible reactions over time. And what's crazy is that was a psilocybin therapy treatment. Oh, cool. So um, I lucked out in 2019. It was right after Colorado decriminalized mushroom use. So I went out there and got connected through All Health Network out there, introduced me to a trial, like, program thing, and I was given a gram of mushrooms every single day. Wow. went through group therapy individual therapy and then like almost a guided meditation they didn't call it that they called it relaxation but um yeah and then we integrated into society um by getting jobs like you could live on site as an option for the first two weeks um like on the facility to be monitored or you mm-hmm. could have your own place and then you continued therapy for like six months afterwards max it's supposed to be like three and then we're supposed to be recalled in a few years to see what happened Oh, okay. So. That's really cool. Um, you know, for people who are like skeptical about psychedelic use, I've always thought that that would be like the best way. The mushrooms changed my entire life. See, I actually hate mushrooms, but you do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's what it was—the psilocybin. So, hmm. but uh, but no, like I think like a guided 
like having a guided therapy like a guided person to like to take you through a trip i think that would alleviate a lot of the because you know that's sorry that's a tangent too much but like a lot of people that are you know freaked out about psychedelics and don't want to do that like mm-hmm. that would help them they have someone that hey you're experiencing this and this is normal like let's like let's utilize this trip let's talk about it you mm-hmm. know and that's like why I don't. Even if I do use psychedelics anytime now, I don't trip with other people really, mm, um, because yeah, I prefer way. to like force myself to think about it myself. Um, when I'm with other people, I just absorb their problems, and then I just want to mm. guide them through as like their trippy therapist. Yeah. So, which is nice, but yeah, no. Th- I mean, there is benefit to taking psychedelics with other people, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I'm the same way. I prefer to have like you know just me or me and you know my partner, you know just just together you know mm-hmm. having a very personal experience i think that's the way to do it um you know and i give I, talking about you going through therapy i give you a lot of kudos truly um for doing that because i feel like a big problem with a lot of people with bpd is that they it's really hard for them to get to that point i'm really duper glad hard you brought them. that up that is my biggest pet peeve um and it's just because like if you have bpd chances are you're highly intelligent like that's mm, just part yep. of it is mm-hmm. you are in your own thoughts so much you overanalyze that you are just an intelligent being so if you have bpd and you're in especially like your 20s you know you have bpd yeah even if sorry no you're good (laughs) but even if you uh, don't know the term for it you know what to call it you understand that oh my god i overreact a lot like your Mm -hmm. life will fall apart around you if you don't make that understanding and actually fix it that is the biggest key i actually have that on Mm -hmm. one of my episodes too is where i talk about sitting in a pile of shit and expecting yourself not to stink pretty much is what's like having a mental illness and not going to a therapist and not getting help for it um even if you feel stable that's the best time to go Mm, because then you can make the decisions you are clear enough to tell when you have your next episode and big freak out like what direction that's probably going to be like you can prepare mm. whereas like if you don't have a therapist to help you point out those patterns like you don't have the capability to i mean it takes so much practice so yeah you know i think it you know this is for anybody but especially bpd like it takes um you know consistency Mm -hmm. you know constant effort i feel like not to get too personal but i feel like with you know my wife my ex-wife having bpd she would go on these spurts where she would like be really into the mental health and like you Mm -hmm. know have all the papers and be looking through it then she would just lose interest oh i did that so many times she would just think she was okay and think that she's stable and not you're like i'm fine i'm fine on my meds i'm fine and no and actually i found (laughs) this is gonna blow your mind i think um the best way to avoid feelings and situations is to actually research those feelings and situations. Mm. You never have to actually feel it if you're busy just reading. <laughs> and I didn't realize that I was doing that. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I really liked thinking that way. It changed everything. Hmm. That's cool. I so, still have my moments, though. Like, the other day, yeah, I was yeah. getting ready for school conferences, and I lost uh, the ring my wife gave me. Like, spiritual wife. It's just, like, one of those we've been best friends for 12 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just to clarify that. <laughs> but I lost it right before, and poor Landon, he's used to my fits. <laughs> I was, like, crawling around <laughs> on my hands and knees, like, having a meltdown, trying to, like, not cry because I had a little bit of makeup on. And, yeah, so I still have my problems. Um, I still don't work very well regularly in nine to five jobs. That is something that I can definitely see many BPD people probably. Mm, That's why I think we're going to go to more of a fur trade economy and like Mm. more self-sustaining is because 
so many people are struggling with the fact like i don't want to go to a fucking office Mm, cryptocurrency (laughs) (laughs) well you know biologically we're also just not programmed for like you know we're not mass stuff like that yeah we're not meant to like sit in most people are not meant to sit in office from nine to five Mm -mm. you know it's not good for your body it's not good for your mental health and what's crazy to me is how people will sit and work a job they hate when there's somebody who's like maybe 100 miles away that would probably kill to have that job Mm. and probably has the job they want it's just people are too scared to even look for it. Yeah. It's like, why do you have to be in the same area? Why do you why do you have to? Yeah. It's really easy to let your <clears throat> environment control your control you too, you know. Feed off what other people around you are doing and come to the conclusions like, Hey, I can't do this, like you know, this is all I can do or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really easy to get in those traps. Yeah. So I just see a lot of I'm from Forest City, which is mm tiny little town where they built rvs like winnebago industries is created there so everybody works in the factories and i just see so many people live miserable lives and like i've never seen a town with so many people that cheat on their spouses so much like undercover drug use like it's not like mason city or des moines where there's like actual gang banging or anything Mm. going on but there still is like undercover stuff and it's so bad, I think, because people are forcing themselves to live this life they were raised to live, and they hate themselves so much for it that they're just, like, low-key sabotaging it in every way. Yeah. Well, um, growing, like up in a, move. <laughs> <laughs> growing up in a small town myself, I can actually, you know, agree with that. You know, y- you can say that the city might be, like, on a face value worse. Mm-hmm. I don't even think that's true, but, like, you know, people will say that it's worse. Um but, you know, I think there's so much in a small town living that happens behind the scenes, and that's mm-hmm. ultimately more damaging. You know, in Des Moines, you can be like, oh, hey, you know, this group of people or this area, you know, you can mm-hmm. grid that out. But, like, in a small town, it's, it's all It's just open. everybody. Yep, it's everyone. It's like, for some reason, this 50-year-old woman at the hair salon knows the business of a 17-year-old girl in the high school who hasn't even graduated yet. And to me, that's just so, uh That's because yeah, there's that, nothing else. That, what are you supposed to entertain yourselves with? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's like, it's the people in the routine. It's the people that go to the coffee shop every day and they like, oh, here's the town gossip. Yeah. Janice left John and she quit her job. Yeah, who gives a shit? Nobody cares. (laughs) And that's the sad thing, too. And I tell my 14-year-old brothers this all the time, is that I wish so much that I knew everything that I knew now because everything that happened in high school, the who kissed who, he said, she said, God, even just like, (laughs) just to get blunt, how horny I felt back then is nothing in comparison to what real life is. Like all Mm. of those emotions, all of those situations are so intense at the time. And then you get in the real world and you're like, did I really cry over not going to homecoming? Like I'm 23. I can go to a club and there's a rooftop pool. Like, yeah, it seems important to make those memories, but like you have a whole life to live. Yeah. Um, I missed out on my senior prom and I don't regret it. Like, I, I think people put so much importance, you know, and going back to small town, you know, like those events, especially people put so much importance in those events. It's in like, a small town, it's the least important because fact mm. is no one except for your town newspaper is ever going to see you in that dress. Yeah. You know what I mean? Might as yeah. well wear something you actually like. Yeah. Some of those fuckers are going to be at the same bar in that town like 20 years later. Exactly. And that's all they're going to be talking mm-hmm. about. I remember my suit in prom was the best suit. Really? I loved it. Yeah. And meanwhile, like... I've jumped out of a yeah. helicopter and skied down a mountain. Like, <laughs> meanwhile, half, call me a deadbeat. Meanwhile, <laughs> half of your classmates have 
cross paths and leap bounds that you will never even be able to fathom. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're just drinking just to forget it. My yeah. prom, man. That was what was up. <laughs> and you can just see it in their eyes, too. They're just so sad. I don't like going to my hometown, even just to visit my kids and stuff. Oh, yeah. I oh, It's well, so sad. Yeah. Well, I'm lucky. My entire family reloc- relocated here, no, so I never nice. have to go back. That's awesome. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah, no. And my parents live there. I was raised in that house. I get the house when they pass. Like, it's, I don't know. I'm going to sell it. <laughs> so funny story about my hometown. I grew up in Orange City, Iowa. And I moved when I was about five. And the crazy thing about that town, there actually is a history of KKK in that town. Like oh, there are sad. people, yeah, <sighs> fucked up. Um, my my mother uh, worked at a law firm there, and there she actually had a coworker at a crossbird in his yard. Like Damn. there were some fucked up people out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but when they <laughs> when they first came to the town, they're Dutch. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've ever been to Pella, like the Tool Festival. Yeah. Like they have the whole, um, you know, their garments and all that, their whole outfit. My parents didn't know about that. So like they're driving past the baseball field and they're like doing their all their Dutch thing. And they thought it was like the KKK. And they're just driving by. He's like, is that the KKK? <laughs> what the fuck? They're celebrating a home run. Like, come on. It's just the company baseball. Calm down, guys. Uh, <laughs> the blue, the blue team won. We're gonna have a commemorative burning cross burning. <laughs> to no, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't like in my experience there. I didn't really run into a lot of like KKK oriented thing, mm-hmm. but it just kind of speaks to the nature of a small town, you know. See, I think with small towns, and we've talked about this at length, is that accidental racism and bigotry is something that people don't even know they have yeah, oh yeah they don't even realize it. when i moved out of state yeah. into denver i had no idea that i've been raised around racist jokes and homophobic jokes i thought that they were funny because mm-hmm. like you know it's funny to make fun of racism and homophobia and then like i cracked the same joke in denver or like wyoming and not here and people look at me like oh my god what is wrong with you <laughs> and i feel so bad so i think it's like i'm grateful for media in that sense though because mm-hmm. i feel like people are becoming more aware over time how offensive we actually are just living our day-to-day lives like mm. how judgmental we truthfully are being mm. especially those small towns yeah it, it's definitely a uh, difference in culture for sure mm-hmm. um yeah it, it, it's hard it's hard to say like how to yeah <laughs> it's it's crazy the differences between between all that i i i live in here in des moines and you live in mason city so i'm yeah. sure you can can prefer that there's a diversity of ideas you know see at least there's some diversity period and that was the other thing is like four city is whitewash and anyone Mm. who is from north iowa knows that all of the towns pretty much are like there was i think two african-american kids at all in my entire grade whatsoever and um so then like i didn't know how to act when i was like around a totally different culture and those like Mm. they were mixed kids too so they were being raised by like white culture and stuff so when i was around like one of my african friends I had no idea, like, what was offensive, what wasn't offensive, and we got into it a few times, like, because of it, just because, like, I've been raised differently, and I didn't mean to hurt the person, but it just came out, like... Well, yeah, and I, you know, I think to an extent that's understandable, though, you know. And it happens to everybody, just, like, way more in small towns, I think. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, you know, uh, I was living in uh, South Dakota, like, about a year ago, and one of the things that really bothered me about living there was the homophobia. Oh god! It was, and that to me has never—I've never understood why anybody cares. I don't either. You know, 
not that I'm saying that racism okay, but there's at least something to racism where you can see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Like with like the homosexuality, it's purely like what somebody's doing in the privacy of their own home. And you know what? No we don't need that. any more humans. So the whole thing is like sex is to procreate. No, D- just stop it. Then stop. Because we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, um, yeah. It's fucked up how small towns are. Mm-hmm. Truly. Um, yeah, who knows? It, it, and, you know, like you said, that is one of the positives of media is that, you know, people can become more aware of that. And there almost becomes a, you know, singular or non, um, non-centralized non culture within the internet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I think we're wrapping up to the end of my questions. Did you guys have anything you wanted to talk about before we do a card reading? Like, did you have anything on your mind or anything you wanted to talk about? Or I don't know. This is your platform. Man. The Collective. Yeah. Um, Go for it. For sure. We were kind of feeling Molly in about it there for a second. But what we want to do, and I think like you're on board with it already, just hearing with what you were talking about earlier as mm-hmm. we set up, um, what we want to do is we want to find artists that are intelligent and creative, obviously, because artists, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it's usually, uh, it's usually a key component. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need creative artists, <laughs> the ones that create things. <laughs> we want non-creative artists. We, well, we want people <laughs> that want to change media into something different to all gather together like i've got a facebook page that i've been like slowly working on and getting ready so that way we can all interconnect and network together and so like all the podcasters can take turns you know being on each other's shows and like promoting each other so that way like good content and i'm talking like actually good um for you type thing musicians and video that's produced around here i mean mm-hmm. local they, they and stuff like that hand feeling hand. the little guy oh yeah i'm a huge i mean that's a big point yeah big and we pull musicians you know we work with sorry for last night like uh i've got a band you know we're actually most of everybody that's involved already is a musician in some way we yeah. got painters to do murals in cities like we wanted to do you know classes for kids um to do media production because mm. now media is so overgrown there's no parks and rec classes to like teach them how to use you know photoshop or something like that mm. so doing stuff like that so that way they can create beautiful images that inspire other people so like pride stuff and yeah it's a good emotional release just the creative mm-hmm, the mental health awareness of it alone mm. so we want to like meet more people that want to do that that are our age and stuff because like yeah the older generation has that section they have like the four age and all that that got started but kids are moving away from that now and in favor yeah, it's of outdated. phones we need yeah. we need a new even yeah. like i don't know if i could find a coder to make an app so we can mm. all be like hey we're like okay example we want to do a web series um i've written seven episodes <clears throat> out already for it we need actors so, like, to be able to post that somewhere specific and be like, we need actors for these dates, times, locations, send out a script for auditions, all that. Have a place to do that. And then a bunch of people can be like, hey, I know this guy, and tag each other, or whatever. Other people who'd have fun just, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, you know, <laughs> we need set dressers and things like that. And just people take turns going back and forth. Or, like, hey, I'm having a party. There's going to be this guy playing. Why don't you come support him? Like, you know, just that kind of stuff is what we're aiming for. So if there's anything I want to push, it's that. It's not even just us, but like, hey, be friends with your artist friends and like, you know, just do things. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that definitely lines up with what uh, what we do on the podcast. You know, that's mm-hmm. awesome. 
Uh, yeah, if you, if you guys ever ever need help, hit me up. And yeah. uh, you know, We've definitely got a hip hop crew going. So like, <laughs> hip hop event, maybe. <laughs> hey, uh, I could I could find probably ten fifteen people like right now who see. I just need a space then. Yeah, and then I've got promotion on lock. Well, that's the big problem. Like, it, it's so hard to, you know, it's a, it's a lot harder to convince somebody to open a venue for hip hop than like, hey, we got a rock band, we got country band. Well, oh, rock okay. bands, I will say from experience, <laughs> rock bands are hard to book because if mm. you're not a cover band playing specifically old school <laughs> oh, rock or top point. forty punk, <clears throat> you're screwed. Because like my that's band does point. like Nine Inch Nails and stuff like that, and we have like a David Bowie cover of Fame where it's just like screaming. That nobody's gonna book us, so we have to try to find more like metal people in the yeah. community that knows venues that will. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of the fundamental problem with hip hop too. Is all mostly it's original. I mean, people mm-hmm. people don't really do covers. That's kind of pathetic. I know. Yeah. That's, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. But yeah, like uh, we had a band here like a couple months ago actually three figure betty and one of their greatest memories was uh they were like it was their biggest show they had the most people there they'd ever seen somebody's just in the front say sweet caroline they're <laughs> <laughs> like fuck you we got original yeah, show <laughs> and that's why like and that's why as uh my band it's my dad and my family and i actually it's we don't want to advertise on stage that we're a family band because then mm. people oh, it's a family band we're uh, part yeah of family. I, I get that i get that yeah but um we chose the covers that we did it's like b-side grunge so it's like mm. kind of ironically doing covers so like we'll do nirvana but we're not doing smells like teen spirit we're gonna do mm. aneurysm oh I love you know that that's awesome <laughs> so that's awesome that's more up our alley um but, i would like to go more into the punk type thing mm. and do originals because i feel like punk is necessary for this time the revolution going on and everybody changing remake of the mm. partridge family for yeah. sure <laughs> the punk <Ridge> family <laughs> Well, uh, well, uh, Nirvana, like I've, when they did covers, that was kind of the covers they did. They did those like B-side covers that nobody knew and they like revitalized it, you know. That's and I always awesome. respected that because it mm-hmm. just shows, you know, an artist is so much more than just their top 40. Oh, yeah. There's so much more. So if you like somebody's song, if you like that song that's on the radio, go listen to the rest of the mm-hmm. album because that person poured that time and effort and it's getting like a tenth of the attention. Yeah. Well, like with Nirvana, like smells like Teen Spirit. They, they got to the point where they hated playing that song. Oh, God, I can imagine. <laughs> I don't even like hearing it they anymore. They would play like six seconds and they'd be done. And the crowd would be booing like, fuck you, we don't care. We're going to do our own thing. <laughs> and they had that freedom to do that too, though. Was, fuck you, yeah. we don't care. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's kind of a, you know, a sad thing about us. There are very few people that like actually have the flexibility to be like, hey, fuck <laughs> you, I'm going to do whatever you want. And yeah. it doesn't matter because I'm still going to fuck away at the end of the day. Go rage against the machine on them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do what you tell me. <laughs> god those guys were the true ogs like mm-hmm. you know how many other bands have like walked away right at their peak because that that's what they stuck to you know mm-hmm. yeah. dude i would do that to tell you the yeah, truth yeah you know a lot of people in iowa would i think yeah if, if i could just make it to that one one million streams then i'd be done I'd be yeah. like, okay i did it now on to the next thing get to a point where you're <laughs> gonna go raise an alpaca but they're getting like sponsorship shoes and stuff sent to you all the time. And yeah, just making <laughs> you're gonna be come able back. to resist that. <laughs> I don't know if I string along <clears throat> enough, and then it'll become a nostalgia throwback, and I can perform the one-hit wonder in 15 years. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Make double the money. Cool. Well, hey, uh, this has been a fun episode. But before we 
end it, um, you were going to do a card reading for me. Yeah, I'll this drop is my a, request. A, a reading. Um, I'll scoot this over So how, how does this work? Explain this to me. Well, I've never done this before. everybody thinks, oh, a card is going to read your future. That is not how tarot works. Um, what it does Damn it. is, <laughs> my theory anyway, and everybody has different theories on this, is that what I am showing you is basically what you need to hear and already know. You just don't want to admit it to yourself. So you're basically mm. just letting another party read it to you. Um, so when the cards show certain things, like I'll notice reactions of what comes out and like what you're looking at and things like that. And I'll base it kind of like what you're drawn to because like there's symbolism for everybody. It's like if you, example, have a subconscious desire to change your entire life, for some reason people will hover towards butterflies. So if I catch somebody staring at the butterfly on the card, usually that means they need change in their life. But it goes a little bit deeper than that, too. Um, that's just, like, for the skeptics, there's your excuse. <laughs> what I believe, though, on the more deeper level, is that it taps into your subconscious energies. And so the card deck is, like, a random algorithm to help present oh, okay. things that you need <laughs> to hear. Sometimes, yeah, I throw down cards, and they just don't hit. But if I pick up and do it again, they hit right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, though, they're really scary. Landing actually can vouch real quick on my weird card reading abilities yeah super strange i'm a very analytical or logical person so it's like i always find the scientific reasoning or backing or just basic knowledge so i'm educated in every field i can be or yeah yeah i feel open-minded yeah but yeah she did a, a reading and it was new year's eve and i brought three different cameras so then we had it set up pretty pretty legit it looks so cool yep and freakishly enough it's i still go back every new month and listen to it and it's been spot on i mean one month it was almost like nope it's not it it's not it and that last day literally the last day yeah i don't want to bring up any like any of the information on it but they get pretty personal it was something else. That's what it is. It's something. Well, else. I'm I'm an open book, so you, you can go as far as you want. I'm not gonna. Uh, my, co- my my audience is comfortable with me at this point, so. <laughs> so yeah, and like the pictures, it's just it baffles me too. Sometimes the stuff I can pick up on. Like one time, my favorite example is that cheating client that I had. I had this chick that came to me regularly for readings, like every other week, every week sometimes. Um, and these cards came up one day. And this is over the phone, by the way. So, like, she's on a video call. She's not actually there. I can't really gauge her reactions. This has nothing to do with psychology. Um, But the cards came up that there was cheating going on. And she was trying to find out if her husband was cheating. But the card showed it was her. And so I was blunt with her. And I'm like, dude, it tells me that you're the problem here. Like, it's all you. And she got so mad that she, like, quit seeing me. Come to find out her husband left her two weeks later because she'd been having an affair. Mm. And stuff like that. So it's just, it gets like that. Interesting. So, all right, I think we're good to go. Well, I guess this is the day where Molly finds out I'm having a <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to give you a life outlook. I'm just going to drop a few cards. So, cool. Past, present, future, surrounding energy. You big daydreamer? No, yeah, yeah, I'm, huh. yeah. So your background energy is the Ten of Swords in reverse. 
which means that you are healing from like <laughs> card definition that's the hard thing about admitting that there is some psychology to it is like I do go by the card meanings too. It's not just that. Yeah, yeah. But um, it looks like you're overcoming a. Ooh, that I'm gonna take as a sign. <laughs> that is so. This funny. subject is fucked up. Okay, so ten of swords in reverse came out, and that what's crazy is the cards that just fell out too, because you are overcoming a betrayal, a massive betrayal, and it came out with the two of cups just fell out which is the marriage and commitment card and the empress on purpose you did on purpose <laughs> we all watched that it is on video yes I, I totally shuffled that and staged it out completely i was gonna ask you do you have a method for the shuffling or is it just i just shuffle and cut like okay. a like a magic deck like a playing card deck like yeah so She'll that's shuffle for a while too sometimes yeah so i think somebody's showing off a little bit here <laughs> whatever that is so then we got the queen of spears in reverse with your past energy and i will admit i still use my book and i say there's no shame in still using the book because i think like as you reread the definition different statements will stand mm. out um each time it's like the queen of spears in reverse prinkle prinkle um She's a person who thrives on chaos. I'm guessing you went off the wall after your divorce a little bit. Just like, just total <laughs> chaos. Um, yeah, uh, you probably yeah, lost yeah. a lot of friendships. You probably, yeah. I'm guessing, were involved in like, sorry to say this, you were probably involved in like a third party situation, whether you were cheated on, you were cheating, or you were with someone who was cheating. Not true. Not true. Okay. Either way, there was a triangle situation going on at that point. Um, what about the kid. Lady? With the what? Was that after your divorce? The Which lady? lady? The married lady. Married oh, lady. fuck. You know what? Okay. <laughs> I got it's you. It's creepy, got man. You. It's creepy. <laughs> this shit's creepy. Goddamn. Yeah, she was married. <laughs> we just made out, though. I didn't fuck her. So. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks if that like helps the card reading, I don't know. <laughs> that, that is a love triangle with a third party situation. Exactly. Yep. So, that was your that was your past but as you're sitting right now it's interesting because you have the ten of coins which is a very positive thing but it's in reverse so i don't even need the book for that one so it's like you Sounds have like <laughs> you have everything around you and you love it it just feels like something's missing there's just like one aspect that you feel like is a barrier in the way and i'm gonna find out what it is because i'm not cryptocurrency <laughs> <laughs> cryptocurrency damn it <laughs> Oh, we gotta flip. I need to put my entire savings account in Temperance, crypto. That's huh? what it is. <laughs> That's interesting to me. And when it, I asked what the situation is. Sorry. And you have so many books, you kind of lose some of the placements of these. Temperance, there it is. That's upright, too. It talks about work. It looks like you might not like your actual job. Or like what you job. do day to day, something about. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think I probably experience repetitive repetitiveness. It feels like something isn't going according to plan. In other words, it's like you're following the steps, but the execution isn't as satisfying in your day to day. You know what I mean? Hmm. That's that, very, that, yeah, that's possible. That's a very interesting energy to reflect on. So I, I would definitely give some advice on like a gratitude and priority list, hmm. so you can like figure out if you're truly happy and like if you're not if the answer isn't a resounding yes immediately how can you fix that 
because mm-hmm. you only got one life that you're going to remember at least. Like, who knows what happens after or before. But um, why would you spend any time doing anything that makes you even just barely complacent? Why not mm-hmm. do what makes you ecstatic? Like, you know what I mean? I feel like that's important to hear right now. So, whatever ridiculous thing it is that you're kind of planning or want to do after that point, do it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> take a well-deserved bow. So, um, I think that, like, you're not allowing yourself to celebrate what you have <laughs> type of thing. It's like, that's what it is. <laughs> so, in the future here, you need... is is Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, it's accurate. Definitely. Too. It's like, yeah. Um, I'm really bad at that. That's get, just I, funny. I don't give myself any credit, actually. I'm I'm a I'm the I'm that stereotype, like the stereotypical artist who just thinks all this. Like he, you know, he's fucking Mozart, and he thinks his music sucks. You know, <laughs> yeah, okay, perfectionist. Okay. Not that I'm saying Mozart, but <laughs> yeah, we're our own worst critics. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. for sure. Um, okay, so the future energy is actually really great. It shows, like, I don't know, you're gonna take something to heart here, and probably start celebrating your life every day a little bit mm. more. So that that's a pretty beautiful charging forward type of energy. So that's this is a very positive reading to tell you the truth. It's a very growth based. <laughs> Usually it's a lot of like you're repressing this when actually your surrounding energy is nothing but positive little daydreams. Huh. Like you have so many great big ideas, you might just need a little bit of a boost, you know, getting them into fruition, but hold on, I'm going to see if you got an answer coming out here. Well, I I was expecting uh that, you know, there is awful. no outside party. Yeah, um, I was asking to see if there's, like, another step you need to take, and it's like, nah, there's no new job, there's no situational changes, there's just you. Just you coming into your own power, and then the celebration mm. will happen. So, yeah, that's a really positive reading. <laughs> Just going to do a little happy dance for you there. Sweet. <laughs> well, that is the complete opposite that I expected. I, I honestly say, did, too. <laughs> I was expecting, like, you are fucked. You, I was like, yeah. In two years, acid. you're going to be dead, so you might as well just start chewing up heroin now. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, like I've only had, like, a physical death appear on a reading once, and it was so confusing, and I didn't get it until afterwards because it's so rare. Like, uh, a family member was sick and dying and stuff, and, like, it wasn't even brought up by the client or anything. She wasn't mm. asking about it, and I was like... I just, there's so many repeated death type symbolisms here. It's like, just check in on your family. And then, yeah, one of their aunts passed to COVID like the next week. And I was like, God hmm. damn it. Those are the ones I don't like doing. These I like doing. So, there's any closing messages? And yeah, your closing message is stop getting in your own way. So, <laughs> there you are. <laughs> you, you know, you know, Brie, uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was, you know, I'm skeptical of that kind of stuff, being an atheist agnostic person, but that, yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> it's, good, it's good spiritually. It's it's healthy. I will say I will say this. If it's bullshit, you are you are very good psychologically. You're I very promise good nobody people. told me about the situation you were in with the third party. I promise nobody tipped me off. Like that was that was a total complete guess. Like that was not in the book or anything. Like obviously it doesn't say you're you're fucking around. <laughs> like that was <laughs> I don't know what that was. Well, at least it wasn't current, so I can still finger guns. That's well, that's what I need. To well, I'm in a hot affair. I can keep Molly, uh, keep Molly in the shadows. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, you're actually very happy at home. Yes, I am. so yeah, we're very happy. Mm-hmm. Cool. That was awesome. I, I like I said, I didn't know what to expect, but I actually that actually was pretty cool. Okay. 
cool 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 yeah um shit this sounds like a perfect place to end uh but do you guys do you guys have any closing thoughts or what's your socials where can people find you all that um my tiktok is don't eat lamp i referenced it enough times uh and then my podcast is from hindsight to high definition on youtube just search it or my name or well, pretty much don't eat lamp or anything that's linked um yeah that's about it for me cool yeah, uh, landon dietrich landon dietrich is diet and rich put together for spelling wise uh <laughs> yeah i'm on facebook <laughs> you can check me out on there yeah. cool so. can people hit you up for photo needs and yeah that I mean, if, they, if they are have fun in acting or mm-hmm. are musical and if you have any creative projects that are in the north iowa area feel free to hit either one of us up um i'm trying to build my solo portfolio landon and i work very well together um our boudoir shoots are perfect when we work together i usually do like the model adjustments and he takes the photos and edits them and stuff so keep out on camera settings (laughs) we have so much fun we really do we're great to work with so awesome well hey if you if you ever need anything from me if you ever need need help or anything from the podcast let me know i really like what you guys are doing i'd be game to shoot down i'd love to have you on my show sometime too fuck yeah fuck yeah that'd be awesome Mm -hmm. yeah dissect me a little bit (laughs) (laughs) all right um i think it's a good place to end like i said um stay tuned next week we'll have that boy i don't remember two rappers they're cool guys i've known them i can't remember the names <laughs> off the top of my head but they're cool that guy <laughs> and the here. other guy with him <laughs> <laughs> i have too many i have too many in the show i can't keep track of all of it you know <laughs> all right everybody peace have a good night thank you everybody for tuning into today's episode with brie and landon uh really good time really uh really trippy card read event uh i i, I don't believe it I don't believe in the um the act of witchcraft and that those cards can necessarily um be able to do that but i will say it was a very almost psychedelic experience how accurate it was um and regardless of whether it's real or not she does a really good job doing it so i highly encourage anyone to hit her up and to um give that a whirl ah, stay tuned next week we're gonna have um that I should really know this. Don't 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 you think Coleman makes a little sense to know who the fucking guest is before before you go on the fucking on the podcast and announce it. You don't even know who they are. That dude Biggs and International T. Um, I met these guys around the same time. I met Dean Kelly and others, uh, and we had a good, um. We've seen each other out and about in concerts and stuff. I've seen them perform. Um, and I <clears throat> saw them in the video. So we're going to link and do a podcast. It's going to be our first live episode in, shit, three weeks? Yeah, because we just been we just been uploading. What the fuck are you doing, dog? <sighs> All the animals are going crazy. It means I got to leave. All right. Peace out, everybody. Hope you enjoyed yourselves. Stay tuned. We will be live next week. Um, don't fret. For those of you who've been missing on the live streams, we'll get there soon. All right. Bye. Peace.